my one thing that I want you to hear that you'll, um, it'll become very plain very quickly, um, is that faith comes first and life flows out of that faith. If we don't get faith first, if we put something other um, than faith, specifically works or any other thing that we want to put before faith, it royally messes up um, our affection, our love, um, our devotion, and our time um, serving, loving, experiencing God, period. And so the the word is going to make it painfully clear that it is faith that generates everything else in our life with Christ. So the work of every believer is faith in the one who brings life. Faith alone is the struggle for all of us workers out there, including me. This text is uh, a current and ongoing struggle in my life because I want to work, I want to earn, I want to be appreciated by all the great work that I do for the Lord. Problem is, uh, is it messes up everything else. Um, Because we live in a world where you go to work, unless you're retired, um, and at the end of that work, at a given period of time, you're expecting to get paid for what you put in, period. That's just how our culture works. It is inundated in our lives. Where there is a debt, that debt must be paid. We own a house. Technically, the bank owns it. Wells Fargo. Yep. Every month. Um, they just let us use it while we pay for it. Period. I mean, they do. Like, you know, if, if I stop paying for it, um, they come and take their house. I can call it mine, and I can call it every, you know, I, I can say anything I want, but technically it is their house because they um, own the deed to it until the it has been paid off. And the problem with this, it is hard not to carry this idea into our faith life. Even if we believe that Jesus paid our debt on the cross, our debt of sin, we can look at it more as a loan than a gift. And we can spend our whole time that He's wanting us to enjoy Him Ruining that joy by weighing every day the work that we do as a loan. This gift that, you know, I'm, I'm paying this, I'm doing that. And so today we're going to dig into all of Romans 4, a part of Romans 3, and a part of Romans 5. I'm going to, like I said, read a ton of Scripture, and then I'm going to primarily let the word tell you what it says and i'm going to interject a few things um and at the end of this we're going to believe what the word says and we're going to reorient our life which is what we should do all the days of our service to the lord as we're in his word reorient our life according to the word what what the word says so let's pray thank you Jesus, that you've eliminated our ability to earn 
our salvation so that none of us in this room can boast, can hold it over your head, can say that you owe us anything. Lord, let joy flow from that revelation. Let peace flow from that revelation. And Lord, as your word is read, let it inundate our mind and our actions. And let us enjoy you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll tell you a little story. Uh, it's an illustration. It's not a real instance. I didn't fall off a mountain. But here it goes. So there's a guy named Jack. We have two Jacks in here. Neither one of you guys. Unless this did happen to you. As he was passing by a cliff, he got a little too close to the edge and he found himself falling. On his way down, he managed to grab a branch, nearly yanking it out of the cliff. When he caught his breath, he realized what a terrible jam he was in. He couldn't get up and letting go certainly seemed like a poor option. He began to scream, hello up there, can anyone hear me? In a moment, a voice returned. Jack, can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. I'm down here. I can see you, Jack. Are you all right? Yes, but who are you and where are you? I am the Lord, Jack. I am everywhere. The Lord? You mean God? That's me. God, help me. I promise. If you get me down from here, I will stop sinning. I'll be a really good person, and I will serve you the rest of my life. Easy on the promises, Jack. First, let us get you down. Then we can discuss those. I'll do anything, Lord. Just let me know what to do. Okay, let go of the branch. What? I said, let go of the branch. Just trust me, let go. There was a long pause, and Jack thought it over. And in a moment, however, Jack let out a loud yell, Hello! Hello! Is there anyone else up there? It's comical. But that's the reality that we live in. And at some point in our faith journey, there is a letting go. And there's a letting go to the unknown. Because he already thought that was a poor decision. But there's a trusting in what's going to happen. And so we're going to let uh, Paul tell us. Uh, Paul was the writer of Romans. Uh, this was a letter written to Rome to gather support for a future missionary journey that he had planned to Spain. What the letter was. But the letter is, is his largest uh, um, letter, the longest letter that he's ever written. And he spends a fair amount of time, almost all of it, clarifying most of the ins and outs of faith and all of that other stuff. He wants to clarify what salvation is. And, and the church of Rome was most likely a mixed church of Jews and Gentiles. And so what we're going to jump into in verse or chapter 3 
is a very long discussion on how you are saved. Because at least half of the church, those were those from a Jewish background, had a very um, works, law-based philosophy. That you, you do A, B, and C, and God rewards you for that. Uh, and Paul wants to clarify what it really means or how it really means that you get there. So, like I said, I'm going to read a fair amount of Scripture. And you can follow along uh, either on the screen or in the Bibles that you have. Um, we're going to start in verse 21, chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. This is a word you will hear over and over again through this text. And this is the important part of faith. Faith has to be put on something. It has to be through something, which you'll see through Jesus over and over and over again because he wants to make sure the clarity that it's not just that you have faith, but it's what your faith is in. For there is no distinction making sure that the early church understood that between Jews and Greeks, there was no distinction on how you enter into this peace with God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift. Period. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person that you interact with, every single person that is in this room, including me, have missed the mark, period. Um, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation of his blood to be received by faith. That word literally just means as a payment. This was to show God's righteousness because his uh, because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He cannot just scrub sin away and he would be unjust if he just removed it. There has to be a payment for that sin, that failure, that missing the mark. Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law, which is a huge, even though it's not, it's not culturally us, because like, we don't live in a, most of us, or I would assume none of us, lived in a Jewish culture, family, where, you know, there was the observance of the law and all these other things. There, there wasn't this thing built in us. So he, he's stating here, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law, which is big. And he's going to give his trump card of why he thinks this is so. Or, not thinks, why he knows this is so. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Because if it's for, if it comes from the works of the law, then it may be only for the Jews. Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? 
yes, of the Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And then he gets into this next section in chapter 4, verse 1, is mostly about Abraham. If you're going to get rid of this, and I don't want to get rid of the wrong word. If if you're going to clarify, because it was always this way. If you're going to clarify this, um, there's no better way to start with Abraham, the father of the faith. The father, you know, when, when Jews think about their beginning, it always starts with Abraham and his faithfulness. And if you're not careful, um, you'll look at his life and think the opposite. So he wants to clarify this through the life of Abraham. So in verse 1, it says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham? Our forefather according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say, which is the critical, and why I'm reading the majority of my text today, or not my my sermon today, out of the word, is because our default should be going back to what does the scripture say a lot of our life is ruled by things that aren't so we're like what should we do and we make decisions instead of coming back to this place of here's the truth so what does scripture say and then they quote he quotes um old testament says abraham believed god and it was counted to him as righteousness now to the one who works his wages are not um for the one Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but his due. Those that work, there's an expectation that you'll get paid in verse 5. And it says, and the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts his righteousness apart from works. See, this idea was not a new idea. It was an idea that was missed previously. So in verse 7, this is a quote out of Psalms. Um, Verse 7, it says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sin are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. In this blessing, then only, is this blessing only then for the circumcised or the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before, this is the critical part, was it before or after he was circumcised? Because that becomes the symbol of what God had done in him. It was not after but before he was circumcised, he received a the sign of circumcision as a seal of his of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. It was previous to the works. So that righteousness would be counted to him as well and make him the father, this is important, 
because this is when it carries over to us, to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Then we get to 13. It says, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if, um, for if it is the adherents to the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. The law awakens us. Sin was already here, which they deal with. It's not like the, the law brought sin, but it brought an awareness of sin. You Well, maybe you don't remember being a child, but maybe you remember having children and telling the children not to. It, like, they may have never thought of touching the stove, but if you tell them, don't touch the stove, they're like, oh. It's like their arm is, I want to touch the stove. Kids, don't. Katie, don't touch the stove, okay? It's hot, it'll burn you. You just never know when it's on. But but that became, this. the law made it blatantly aware that, hey, okay, now, yes, oh, I know that I can. So in verse 16 it says, that is why it, depend, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring not only to the adherent of the law, but also the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. If you're familiar with the story of Abraham, Abraham was 75 years old when God said, you will be my person, my instrument. Leave everything that you know and go to this land. And he, abil- he went, which is unusual. In our culture, we're like, hey, we'll travel. No, you know, you, you, the culture and family you were born in, you stayed there your entire life. And God said, I have, I have something else for you. And the story, he's 75 years old. He's been married for decades. Him and his wife are unable to have children. His wife is barren. They're older. Not even really. They get older than this. And so God sends him out at 75 and tells him, I'm going to make you the father of generations. They have no children, have had no possibility of children. There was no possibility of Isaac without God. It was 25 years later when he was approaching 100 years old that Isaac was born. I've heard two things, and I believe both of them. One, I believe God needed 25 years to make Abraham a father worthy of the people of God. And I think Abraham needed 25 years to be clear that this was God and not him. Because it's one thing if, he if they would have got pregnant in their 70s after being bar- barren for years, 
to be like, oh, yeah, but you might go, oh, yeah, I'm still. But when you're 100, I mean, there's not much of you going, yeah, ha, <laughs> ha, No, now, I would have to also say Sarah was a hot lady because twice she was taken by other people in her 60s. She was a good-looking lady. I'm just going to tell you. I mean, like, people saw her from afar and be like, I will have her. And Abraham, being fully faithful in the Lord, twice, not once, said, she's just my sister. Go right ahead, sir. (laughs) I mean, God even blessed him in that, which is a whole other story. We have the same issue. We are unable to save ourselves without Jesus, just like Abraham and Sarah were unable. God gives life where there's death. Before we walk in faith, before we turn that corner, we are dead to our sin. Our only possibility of life comes through Jesus. Verse 18, it says, In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. And just to clarify this, he didn't do it perfectly. We know midway through the story, he's like, I'm going to be God. And it was Sarah's idea, and I've said this over and over again. Husbands, if your wife ever brings this idea up, say no. Sarah's like, this isn't working. Take Ishmael, or not Ishmael, take, take his mom, Hagar. Um, and and we'll, 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 we'll be God and bring the child of promise, which he, of course, was not the child of promise because that wasn't the work of what God was doing. But in and through this, God used him, trained him, taught him to trust. So much so that when Isaac was born and God asked him to sacrifice him, he willingly went to the mountain to do so. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Whole reason why I'm preaching this text today is this line, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Our faith is something that grows. And literally, he says that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And our life with God is something that will grow and strengthen as we continually live in this place of giving glory to God, trusting Him. He's acknowledging it is not me. So, but he grew strong in the faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the word it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him 
who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who has delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Justification is God's righteous act of removing guilt and the penalty of sin while at the same time declaring the ungodly to be righteous through faith in Christ's atoning sacrifice. What He does for us. And it, it, and it continues. It gets even better. So what do, we, what do we do with this? In 5, verse 1. Only got 11 more verses. 11 more verses. Verse 1. Therefore. So what is therefore? Therefore it's there because it's talking about all these things that we just read. So all what he just said. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace comes through the faith that was established in God through Jesus and his sacrifice. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And, and it gets a little muddy in a good way. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Abraham who is still looked at as a father of the faith because he allowed suffering to shape him. James, and just in case you think, well, Romans is... James has a very similar concept to this, you know, count it all joy, my brothers, as we face trials of many kinds. It says, but not only that, not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You want strong faith? You want joy and peace? A lot of that is going to come through suffering. Which if you, if, you, if you don't like the theology of suffering, then your world, can I say a word? Sucks. Sorry. Sorry, parents. <laughs> um, it does because every time you suffer, you have no concept of why you're suffering. Instead of understanding that even in our suffering, even when things happen that we don't like and we wish weren't happening, God, through faith in it, produces something in us that we cannot produce ourselves. Abraham wouldn't be Abraham if he didn't have all of these things that he had to learn. And let me just tell you this. Your faith won't be perfect. It won't be. You will fall on your face in the difference is allowing that 
to bring you back to a place of going, it is only by the grace of God that I stand before him. It is only through my faith in the work of Jesus. Because if it's about you and you adhering to the law, then you're going to be miserable. Part of, if I can be honest, part of your misery right now is a switch of this too. That you put something before that faith. Because if it is faith alone, then at any point in your misery, you can go back to the faith. But if it's work, you're like, man, I fell into this hole and I've got a lot of digging to get out of it. And then you spend all this time missing the joy and peace that comes with being with God, thinking I've got to get myself back to that place when faith takes us there directly over and over again. Verse 6, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that in that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not waiting, sorry, that just, I feel like if I start saying something, this isn't scripture. Not waiting for us to get right. Not waiting for us to get clean. This is why Jesus could interact with the people that the religious people didn't think he should even talk to and bring grace and mercy because it is faith that brings them there. Not their work. Not their perfection. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You want to stand before God and be received by Him. It will only come by faith through the work of Jesus. And so just to clarify, if you think this is cheap grace, that you go do whatever you want, and as long as you've got faith enough, God will receive you. No, out of the overflow of this not being alone that we're paying off, but out of it being a gift, work follows. This is why James is not in contradiction to what's going on here in Romans 4. Where he said, faith without works is dead. Because they're talking, see, uh, Paul's writing prim primarily to a people that are works-based. <laughs> James is writing primarily to a people that have taken that cheap grace and sold it back and forth. And he's like, look, 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 look. Out of faith, we work. But at any time in our faith journey, we put that work before the faith, we're going to miss everything that he wants to give us. God is calling us to live here in this place. Set free by faith through 
the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Who is presently, presently, right now, sitting beside the Father, interceding for His children. Now, you know how powerful it says the, the prayers of the saints are? We have even one greater than them that is actively interceding for us. And imagine if we believed, we stepped into this faith in Jesus. Imagine if, because I, I honestly think this is a perspective changer. This could take the same scenarios and make them, I don't even want to say tolerable, make them pleasant. Make them almost like, oh my gosh, I'm counted worthy of some other pain to suffer. Should we pursue suffering? No. Like, I don't want you to go do a bunch of dumb stuff so you can be like, I want to grow my faith. Go kick a police officer in the shin. You know, run into a tree with your car. Like, none of those things am I saying to do. But, like, when they happen, though God is good. The African Impala can jump a height of 10 feet. And can cover the distance greater than 30 feet. Yet these magnificent creatures can be kept in an enclosure in a zoo with a three foot wall. Because they will not jump where they cannot see where they will land. Faith is the ability to trust what we cannot see. And with that faith, we are freed from a flimsy enclosure of life that only fear allows us to be trapped in. Look, we go, my opinion, we go from flimsy enclosure to flimsy enclosure over and over again. Abraham lived in and out of fear was always afraid somebody, because of the beauty of his wife, that he would be killed. And so he would, instead of going, the God of the universe is now my father. And no one is going to mess with me. He would, he, would, he would get in his little flimsy enclosure until God said, no, 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 no. And I don't know what yours is. I don't know where your struggle is. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I need you to understand that if, that if faith isn't the thing that you go back to, if faith isn't the thing that you began with, you probably missed what God wants to do in you. Look, I, I'm, I'm from the South. And I had a very loving dad that I spent most of my life trying to make happy. So I could hear. Well done. And it translates into my life with Christ. Because I'm constantly going back to, i got to be a good boy so that he'll love me instead of, instead of. 
even while we were sinners, even while we were enemies, he sent Christ to die for you. Megan, if you'll come on back up. So what I want to do in the last three minutes, one, I'm going to pray for you. I was praying for you this morning, feeling very faithful about what God wants to do today, specifically. And I don't know what it is for you. I don't, I don't know where your struggle is. I don't know what your flimsy um, three-foot wall trapping you in is. But Jesus wants you to live in a place of joy and peace in spite of what's going on. And let, me, let me just tell you something. If you messed up royally yesterday in sin. And if I just made eye contact with you, it was not intentional. I did youth ministry forever and kids would come up to me after service and be like, who told you? I don't know. Why don't you make sure that I got it right? <laughs> but, I, but I'm just telling you, like some of us are missing out on the joy of being with Christ right now because of yesterday. And then we spend all of this time, effort, and energy trying to fix something he's already healed us from fix something he's already freed us from and then we miss this opportunity because i I think in that one place of standing in his faith we get freedom you couldn't save yourself before you couldn't fix your sin issue before stop trying to fix it now allow him in so that through him you can have freedom and so I want to pray, and then we're going to worship for a few minutes. And then you'll leave here. And I believe, and the reason why we've always had a song at the end of our service, is I believe now is the greatest opportunity. I, I believe some of you in here right now, something is, something is um, alighting in you that you need to fan into flame. Something in you that you need to respond to a, maybe, potentially, a wrong way of thinking. And allow Him to embrace you and lead you into life. Let's pray. Thank you that we do not have to guess how this works. That you have supplied us with the reality of how faith works, of how salvation happens. And Lord, I thank you that you've eliminated our work at the front end of our salvation. And I pray that as uh, we in this room struggle through that reality, that you settle some things in our hearts and in our minds and where we've had wrong ways of thinking about how all this works. Lord, I pray that you, you help us get rid of the loan and receive the gift. We pray these things in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus.